Well, that was an awesome scene from the TV series, The Chosen. And at this point, uh, Peter still wasn't sold on the idea that Jesus was the Son of God. And he sure didn't realize the, the blessings that would come from just being obedient to God. And, and I love the little stare off there at the beginning of the scene where, where Jesus says, listen, cast your nets out a little further. Peter responds with, listen, we've been doing this all night and, and nothing. And then they just stare at each other. They just wait to see what the other one's going to do or say. Jesus wins the stare off contest there. I'm sure Peter was thinking, look, this guy's crazy if he thinks that one more cast is going to catch anything. And Jesus is probably thinking, son, you have no idea what I have planned for you. Not just today with these fish, but for the rest of your life with the kingdom of God. Do you ever wonder what God had in mind for you when you were created? Each of us is a masterpiece placed on earth for a unique purpose that's solely ours to fulfill. Nobody can do it for you. And even though all of our gifts are different, when we come together, we make up a unified, fully functioning, and operational church of Jesus Christ. And during this series, CAST, I hope to help you discover what your role and your purpose is and and how it relates to the larger body of believers. Listen, before we dive into this, let's pray. God, as we gather together on this day that we call Pentecost, we give thanks that your work wasn't finished with the resurrection. We give thanks for not only bringing down the curtain of division, but also for bringing down your spirit, a spirit of love and compassion, a spirit of unity and acceptance, a spirit of grace and mercy. We ask this morning that you pour out in full measure that mighty wind and tongues of flame upon your people. We ask that you pour it on us that have gathered here this morning, that we might better understand what it is you're asking us to do. We ask that you pour it out on people that are not expecting it, so that they may come to know who you are and what you have to offer. God, we thank you for your healing power, and we ask that you administer it to those in need today. And our our needs are all different, but you know what they are. You're also the only one who can bring about wholeness. And so make us whole, God. We thank you for this country, and we ask that you might guide it in the direction that you want it to go. And as we remember this weekend, all those service men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, we give thanks for their dedication to our country, and we pray for their families, that your presence would just fill their homes with peace and strength. For those who continue to serve our country, we pray that you would cover them with your sheltering grace as they stand in the gap for our protection. God, this morning, we want to hear your voice of wisdom, so help us to breathe in your spirit that inspires. We want to be able to see what is possible, so open our eyes. By the power of that same Spirit, help us eliminate all the distractions and the chatter so that this message may come through. And God, hear us now as we pray collectively the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples when He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, there lived a prophet by the name of Joel. Joel was one of several divinely appointed prophets called by God to deliver a message of warning and repentance. That's mostly what a prophet did. I mean, it just wasn't a fun job. But Joel was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah after the nation was divided. Judah had turned their back on God and they were spiritually bankrupt. Joel's job was to relay God's message that if they rejected him and they chose to live a pagan lifestyle where their ultimate goal was to satisfy their own personal desires, if that's what they chose, then life wasn't going to go so well. And Joel used some pretty descriptive and gruesome terms to describe the chaos and the turmoil, but at least he ends on a good note. I mean, since we serve a loving and gracious and forgiving God, he doesn't give up on his people. And God said through Joel in chapter 2, verse 28, he says, And afterward, so after my people come back to me, after they rend their heart to me, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, that's an interesting statement because at this point, the Holy Spirit was poured out on specific people for a specific job or role that they would play. But this is saying, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all people, which is different than what they had experienced before. He goes on and says, Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Hundreds of years later, it begins to happen. Jesus had risen from the dead 50 days earlier, and now the Holy Spirit is sweeping across the land and changing people's lives. We refer to the day the Holy Spirit came as Pentecost, and today we recognize and we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. So let me just dispel some misconceptions real quick about the Holy Spirit. Even though you may hear the Spirit referred to as the Holy Ghost, He's not a ghost. Nor is he an it, or, or some figment of our imagination. The Spirit is actually a person that has qualities and characteristics that help us live a life that is pleasing to God, and one that is healthy and pure and full of joy. The Spirit leads us, commands us, and guides us on our journey through life. The Spirit is one of three persons that make up what we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pentecost when the Spirit came, it is a day that, for some reason, isn't really celebrated in the church. But it is perhaps one of the greatest days, if not the greatest day, in the history of Christianity and in the life of a believer. I don't mean any disrespect for Christmas or to Easter. I mean, those are great days. Christmas offers us hope, which is hard to come by sometimes. Easter offers us forgiveness, which is only found through Jesus, but Pentecost helps us understand both of those events. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are drawn to the grace of God, and the Holy Spirit helps us understand who we are as children of God. The word for Pentecost was used by the Jewish community for a day-long harvest festival, more commonly known as the Feast of Weeks. And it was scheduled 50 days following the Jewish Passover. So Pentecost literally means 50th day. 
But today, in Christian circles, when we hear the word Pentecost, we immediately think of the coming of the Holy Spirit story found in Acts chapter 2. Scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of things that we could not understand without it. We couldn't understand the resurrection without the Holy Spirit. It's just too mind-blowing. It doesn't make sense. We couldn't understand the concept of the forgiveness of sins. We couldn't understand miracles, healing, worship, or our purpose in life. We couldn't understand our spiritual gifts, or we couldn't sense the presence of God or hear His voice. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us recognize lies and deceptions and understand spiritual truths. In a nutshell, the Holy Spirit gives us vision to see the world not as it is, but as it should be. The Spirit gives us a biblical worldview so that when we witness or experience tragedy, it doesn't cripple us. Or when we hear about violence and evil, we're not overcome with fear. When we are lured into temptation, we're able to resist. When we are met with the challenges of life, we don't give up because we have been given the Spirit of God. And it's more powerful than any negative force that will ever come up against you. And so you can see why the Holy Spirit is so important to the follower of Christ. So let me give you a little context uh, to the day of Pentecost. To celebrate the Feast of Weeks, devout Jews would travel to Jerusalem from all over the known world. So Scripture says they were from Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and they were residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. The list goes on and on. And they spoke different languages and had different dialects. The communication barrier among them made spreading the gospel difficult, almost impossible. But the Holy Spirit changed all that. The Spirit is the great unifier. This is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. And so when a people or a congregation, a small group, has a conflict or discord, they are not one in the Spirit. Something is off. Something is wrong spiritually. This is why nations or world governments will never be unified, not until or unless everyone is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide them. Let's listen to how Luke recounts the story of Pentecost in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So as the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 followers of Christ that had been waiting there, they began to speak in different languages so that everyone, all those people that had come to Jerusalem, could hear the message of Jesus Christ in their own native language. The Spirit empowered those who received Him to advance the mission of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing about the Spirit is that He will manifest Himself in any way He deems necessary to glorify God. He'll work in different ways to accomplish different things. And at that moment, on that day of Pentecost, the Spirit brought about radical change. The Spirit transformed a ragtag team of Jesus' disciples into an unstoppable force called the church. 
Now remember, this is the group of people who argued about their own greatness. This is the same group of people who deserted Jesus at the first sign of trouble. They ran, they hid, they were afraid of being associated with him. They were poor, ordinary, common people. They weren't well-educated. They didn't hold any high offices or positions in the synagogue. They were easily offended and impulsive. They were prejudiced. This is not the kind of people that you would use to turn the world upside down for the cause of Christ. But suddenly, empowered by the Holy Spirit, this same group begins to preach and teach in every place they find themselves. As a result, many of them are arrested and they're thrown in prison without fear. They face persecution with courage. They go boldly where before they had been afraid. They became secure in their mission. They were transformed into the people of God. In a nutshell, they were set on fire. On their own, they could do nothing but hide in a little room, afraid of Roman authorities. But with the Holy Spirit, they changed the world. The real miracle of Pentecost is not that the Holy Spirit came. I mean, the prophet Joel said it was coming. Jesus said that it was coming. That's what they were waiting on in Jerusalem. The real miracle of Pentecost is what happened in the hearts and the minds and the lives of those who received him. It's what has happened every day since then and what is happening right now because of the Holy Spirit's life-changing empowerment of disciples of Jesus Christ. When the Spirit was poured out, they were so excited and filled with the Spirit that some bystanders made fun of them and said they were, they were drunk. They must have had too much wine. But Peter reminded them, and being good Jewish followers of the Torah, they would have all known this. But Peter said, hey, listen, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Peter is saying, look, God's spirit is for more than just a select few. Because here's 120 followers of Jesus right here, men and women, enjoying the blessing of the same Holy Spirit that had empowered Moses and David and the prophets. It was indeed the dawning of a new age, the last days in which God would bring to completion His plan of salvation for mankind. Jesus had finished the great work of redemption, and nothing more had to be done except to share the good news with the world, and beginning with the nation of Israel and then later on in Acts extended to us. The invitation is, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. According to Scripture, this source of power, this Spirit, is available to each and every one of us. But just because it's available doesn't mean we're all receiving its full measure. you got to think of the Holy Spirit as if it were a, a medication whose only side effect is healing. And the more you have, or the more you take, the more you receive, the better you get. And so, really, the goal of the Christian is to have a transformed life one of constant spiritual growth and maturity where we love God and one another more fully. And the purpose of this type of life is ultimately to glorify God and make God known. But we cannot do this apart from the Holy Spirit. And so you and I always stand in need of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We should constantly be crying out to God for a greater and greater infusion of His power and a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not just in our lives, but in the lives of our family members and friends and in this congregation. Too often, 
we're a little unsure of what Jesus promised us. And we're a little insecure in our own faith. And so what ends up happening is we walk through life without ever tapping the power source that enables us to know the difference between our goals and God's goals and our will and God's will. If we want to know what our purpose is in life, and we want to know where we're going as followers of Christ, and if we want a future vision of God's church, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we're confused of purpose and ineffective for the cause of Christ. We can't accomplish anything for the kingdom apart from the Spirit, no matter how hard we try or how well we plan. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to witness to the world. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the words to say when our minds go blank, when someone is questioning us about our faith. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us able to carry out Christ's commands to preach to every nation and to make every disciple of all people. It is through the Holy Spirit that we are able to love the unlovable, minister to the unwanted, serve those who reject us, and grow the kingdom of God. And all of this comes in the form of prophecies and visions and dreams. That's how spiritual wisdom and truth and knowledge gets revealed to us. When the Holy Spirit came, a once confused group of Jesus believers suddenly had no doubt about their mission. God had created them for His purpose. Jesus had taught and commissioned them, and the Holy Spirit had authorized and equipped them. They were ready to begin their journey. Nothing could stop them. Thousands upon thousands were converted. The church grew despite opposition and persecution. In every town and community, they proclaimed the good news. What might that look like today? What would we see if the real miracle of Pentecost happened right here at the vine at Cabot? What if we not only knew God's mission and our role in it, but what if, what if we allowed the full capacity of the Holy Spirit to work through us and among us? When I think about this Pentecost story in Acts, it makes me wonder, where is the fire today? Where's the passion, the excitement, the willingness to risk it all for the cause of Christ? When we invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our worship services, do we really know what we're asking for? Yeah, I know that we want the comforter. We, we want the advocate. We want some peace. You know, we, we want to come here and feel the presence of the Spirit. We wouldn't even mind a little nudge or two from the Spirit. But do we really want the fire? Are we too set in our ways and comfortable with our routines that the Holy Spirit fire would just mess things up for us? Do we want to be changed in such a way that we have to live differently, serve differently, love differently, perhaps even worship differently? When those first disciples were anointed with the Holy Spirit, it was a pretty wild scene. They were so excited, so fired up, so full of the Spirit that, that people thought they were crazy. And so we've got to ask ourselves, does the world think we're crazy? Do we look different enough from the world that people even notice us at all? Do we live in a way that is radical? Are we extravagantly generous? Do we forgive the unforgivable? Do we reach out to the least, the last, and the lost? Are we so loving, so compassionate, so giving, so humble that the world thinks we're crazy? The Holy Spirit imparts gifts on all of us, but those gifts are intended for a greater purpose, for God's purpose. And perhaps more important than the gift of the Holy Spirit is the fruit that He produces. Because ultimately, 
the spirit is not for the individual. It is for the community. It's for the kingdom. It is for the glory of God. And so as we go through this series, and I hope you'll stick with us through this whole thing, but my prayer is that it's going to help all of us find our place, our role, our function in the mission and the vision of the future of the vine. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, our prayer this morning in response to the word is that you would consume us like fire. That all of the defense mechanisms and the walls that we've worked hard to establish would just come tumbling down so that you could come pouring in. Give us understanding and help us see what we could be and what we could do if we would just get out of the way and allow you to do your thing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.